Hey there, it is such a privilege to speak to you again today. And there's been uh, a number of different changes that have happened in the life of the church um, over the past week. And so I'm really excited to say that um, we can be back at Gateway for the uh, at least holidays. We're not sure in January, but for now, we really wanted to meet together. We've been having amazing small um, uh, groups meeting in different places on a Sunday. Um, now we're able to have people meeting at Gateway on a Sunday. And if you don't feel comfortable, that's absolutely fine. Obviously, we're going to be doing things online and smaller groups as well. So the process is we're allowed 100 adults and we are going to be meeting today, obviously, at Gateway. And then on the 20th and then on the 25th Christmas Day and then on the 3rd, all at Gateway. At present, we're only allowed 100 people. So what you need to do if you want to come is you need to either through the website, um, you can go plan a visit and then over there you can fill in the form or you can send a message to the church office or you can send an email. But you basically need to let us know before the Thursday evening of that Sunday um, whether you are coming and your children as well. Uh, we already were fully subscribed um, before that um, time for uh, today's service. And so get in there quickly and we'll obviously assess as we go whether we need to add different services. But we are incredibly excited um, about that. And so please do check out on social media channels and WhatsApp for more information. Um, but uh, let, let's just be praying that God continues to allow us to meet together and to be able to extend his kingdom together. We obviously, as you arrive, both with your kids and everything else, we need to be wearing uh, masks. You're going to have to have temperature checked and all those sorts of things for tracing. Um, but we're still going to do church and we're still going to be together. And we are really, really excited about that. And so stay tuned for any more um, news on it, but, uh, but, but get yourself signed in. If you're watching this and you've got an opportunity to be at church on, on Sunday, you can even sign up right now and get along to it. So I would love to open in a word of prayer, and then we are going to dive into today's topic. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you are here. I want to thank you that you're present. I want to thank you that you are a great king. Thank you that at this time of the year, we get to gaze afresh at you stepping into our world, at the miracle of the virgin birth, and of what that means for us as a people, what that means for us who know you and don't know you. Ask as we go through um, the message today, I pray that you would challenge us. You would lift our eyes to yourself. You'd help us to live more full of faith and more excited for you than ever before. Amen. Great. So many of you, uh, including myself or myself for sure, are drawn to movies about the supernatural that have a supernatural element about them. Think of Lord of the Rings. Think of the Marvel movies and the Superman and the Hulks and, uh, and Captain America, all those sorts of ones. Think about Harry Potter that some people have watched. The reason why those movies do so well, I believe, is because we are hardwired to think about the supernatural, to think about the things that aren't humanly possible. But as adults, a movie is often where any thought of the supernatural seems to end. We can have uh, the enjoyment of it while we watch, but then it's a quick switch. We're back to normal everyday life and everything is explainable. But not so with children. They don't have a problem believing in the supernatural. Uh, my girls will we'll play uh, makeup games and, um, 
and we, we'll, we'll be talking to uh, different teddies and uh, we'll be having conversations with them and out in the garden, we'll be playing Little House on the Prairie, doing all these things. And it's a complete imagination for them, but they're so in, immersed in it and they absolutely love it. I mean, the problem with kids being so up for the supernatural is that they can often be misled by things that are dangerous. They can watch things that are dangerous. They can start to live out things that aren't reality. But the bottom line is, I think part of why Jesus tells us that we should be like children in many respects, is that we were hardwired, we were inbuilt for a relationship with the supernatural, for a relationship with King Jesus. So that's why we're drawn to things of the supernatural, things that we can't comprehend with our human mind. However, we live in an age of intellect. We live in an age where we need answers and everything needs to be explained and needs to be proved. But what about when something unexplainable happens? If we don't believe in a supernatural God, I've heard many people say, well, well, that was lucky, or that was an amazing coincidence, or that's a mystery, or that's a miracle, but they won't be thinking miracle necessarily in terms of God of the Bible. Uh, they'll just be sort of, it's un, an unexplained event. And so there's, there's sort of nothing in vocabulary that can explain it. But what we mean is that there has most definitely been an amazing turn of events that just seem a little bit too much outside of our natural everyday life. And so we can't just explain it away with ordinary human intellect. Now, as we move towards Christmas, and as we gaze upon the wonder of the miracle of the virgin birth and why it is absolutely essential that we believe in the virgin birth to be Christ followers and as Christ followers, it's my prayer that as we go through today, it would give us this amazing grounding, the sense of awe, the sense of excitement about the virgin birth. So I'd love us to read together. If you have your Bibles, I would love you to open them up. If you have a Bible on your phone, you can get it out now. But let's read from Luke 1, verses 26 to 38. Luke 1, verses 26 to 38. And this is what it says. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to, be, to, a, engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by the statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with the man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. 
You may have read this many times. You may have heard the story many times. As a family, we've been going through Luke chapter by chapter with our girls, and I've just loved the story of Christ again and again. We should never be tired of it. So let's take a little bit of time just in, in what we have today to look at why the virgin birth is essential and is so powerful. Now, the two main accounts written about the virgin birth are in Matthew and in Luke. Now, these were written by Matthew, an ex-tax collector, where he followed Jesus, but obviously very good with numbers, very good with accounts, and Luke, a doctor, very good at looking after people and making sure medicines are right and quantities are right. So these men were switched on, they were meticulous in their jobs, and would have asked Mary and extended family over time exactly what happened um, so that they got the story down too the absolute truth. And in fact, it's so interesting, Luke 2 verse 51, you could turn there later. It says, and this is talking about Jesus, um, when he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them, talking about him being younger. And then it says, and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Now that statement would have, would have come about, and the reason why it's being written by Luke is it would have come about from him talking to her and her saying, you know, over time, I just kept going, this happened, this happened this happened. It kept showing me that it truly was the Son of God. N.T. Wright, Bible scholar, he, he remarks that he was having this um, with various different critics of the virgin birth. And this is what he said uh, in a book, Who Was Jesus? Page 78. He said, first century folk knew every bit as well as we do that babies are produced by sexual intercourse. Didn't take a rocket scientist. They knew. When, in Matthew's version of the story, Joseph heard about Mary's pregnancy, his problem arose not because he didn't know the facts of life, but because he did. I.e. what they're writing about here, the supernatural event, these guys were switched on. The complications that everyone faced is because they knew how the process worked. It gives us a little bit of a background to these writers and to, to everyday knowledge in that time. But what about this phrase? That's what I want to start with about us believing in the miraculous. What about this phrase uh, towards the end, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. I mean, just in the story, we've got an angel who appears and an angel who speaks. We have a baby that supernaturally is conceived within a virgin, the Virgin Mary, and then obviously ends off with the angel speaking and, and challenging and saying who this baby's going to be. And Mary on the other side saying, okay, I, I'll take this on. And so in this process, I just want to challenge us that if we lose our belief in the miraculous, we lose our very belief in God because he himself is miraculous. He himself is beyond our understanding. He himself is utterly different to us. He is supernatural. And if we cease to believe in the virgin birth, we will cease to believe in all other supernatural events. There's many people uh, in different church circles who, who, because it's uncomfortable to some believing in the virgin birth, would be saying, you know, you can, you could still be a Christian and not really believe in the virgin birth. No, you can't. You have to believe in the virgin birth because scripture is truth. If you don't believe in that in scripture, you won't believe in any of scripture. But also, it's the only access that we have to salvation and to life that I'll share a bit about more. So I just want to challenge you to be so open and so excited about the supernatural. Man, a writer called McLeod, he says that to deny this doctrine is to open the door to denying anything plainly affirmed in the Bible. Dismissal of the virgin birth is seldom the end of an individual's theological pilgrimage, i.e. 
if you start to disagree and say the virgin birth didn't happen, it actually sends you on a trajectory towards disbelief in God. So it is absolutely essential. Mark Driscoll, um, a, another preacher and a writer, he says, if the virgin birth of Jesus is untrue, then the story of Jesus changes greatly. We would have a sexually promiscuous young woman lying about God's miraculous hand in the birth of her son, raising that son to declare that he was God and then joining his religion. But if Mary is nothing more than a sinful con artist, then neither she nor her son Jesus should be trusted. Because both the clear teachings of scripture and the beginning of Jesus' earthly life and the character of his mother are at stake. And so we must contend for the virgin birth of Christ. So just such a challenge. So point one, contend for the virgin birth of Christ. Point one, remember that what is impossible for man is possible with God. So let's move on to the next one which is that the virgin birth demonstrates the sovereign plan of God. You see, think about it over here. If we read back and look a little bit more, it says over here, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God. Just in that statement, the whole starting mechanism, the process of Jesus being born, sent by God, orchestrated by God. And this um, angel was sent to a specific person, Mary, to be married to a specific man, Joseph, of the house of David. This was very specific and this was orchestrated by God himself. Mary didn't have a choice in having the baby. It was coming whether she wanted it or not. This was God's sovereign plan. She was going to be the one who conceived the Son of God. And so there was no choice in the matter. This was a sovereign God ordaining events in her life. It fulfilled what was spoken about through the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 7 verse 14 where it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See the virgin will conceive, have a son and name him Emmanuel. Now that was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. What a crazy statement for the prophet Isaiah to write. But it came true, ordained by God. It shows all of scripture ordained by God. This was God from eternity past moving towards us. It was God making a plan, making a way back to himself because of the distance created by sin in our lives. This was God acting on his plan since the foundation of the world to put things right. Paul Tripp says, for a people born in sin and for a world damaged by sin, there simply could not be any other source of hope. Good education could not solve the problem and it still can't. Benevolent government had no power to solve the problem and that still can't. More and better laws couldn't penetrate the source of the problem. People couldn't help one another and they couldn't help themselves. The Christmas story clearly shows that the hope of the universe is a person. Amazing there about God working his sovereign plan for us. There's also something important to note in this process. So obviously I said just now that Mary had no choice in what was planned in her life, except how she would respond to the situation. If you go over there to the end, look, she's been told all of this, and then look what happens. The angel speaks to her and she says, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary, may it be done to me according to your word. You see, the way that we respond to what God's doing in our lives, whether we know or not, has a dramatic impact 
on how things turn out in life and how we see events and how those events can be used to bless other people. But she could have said, no ways, God. I'm a virgin. This is going to cause huge family divides. I'm going to make a plan, visit a doctor, try and get this baby out, try and have some sort of abortion or, or, or whatever else. She could have just turned around and said, this is just too big to bear and it's going to be horrific and I just don't know how to process it. I'm a young teenager. That could have been her response, but it was so different. It was saying, Lord, you're the one in control and not me, and I'm your servant. Friends, if we can have that posture before God, that we're servants, that we're friends, but that we, we honor that what he has in our lives and what he allows us to go through and what he provides us with is for our good and is for the greater advance of his kingdom. It changes absolutely everything. Think of what Mary had to go through. A son who probably, after when he started ministry, didn't see her very much. He was traveling, he was on the road, and he was often very busy. Think about the fact that she had a son who she had to watch be slaughtered horrifically at the hands of evil men. That was what she was to go through. A son that she could be proud of. A son who came to save her and the rest of the world. A son who rose from the dead, but also a son that she didn't see face to face from the age of 33. In her older years. She had other friends, but, but she didn't have her son because he was in heaven, risen again and was in heaven. Would she have done it again despite the pain? Would she have said, Lord, I am your servant no matter what the cost? I think so. I think so. I think because of her posture and from the way that we see scripture, she would have known. She knew the plan and purpose that Jesus was there for. She knew who he was. She knew what he came to do. And so in spite of seeing her own son be tortured and, and die the most horrific death and feel the most terrible pain and seeing him abused by religious authorities and not having him for a period of time. I believe she would have done it again. She would have, yes, Lord, again, because she knew that God wanted her life to be something that would bring impact to many people. No matter what situation you find yourself in now today, no matter what situation you're going to find yourself in, no matter the questions you might have, Let's pray and ask God to give us Mary's heart to say, Lord, I know you'll work everything good. You'll work the good for the good. You'll work the bad for the good. And, and no matter what, I want my life to be used for your glory that other people might see you. If you have that response, God will be able to use you in the most difficult of times. He'll be able to use you in the best of times. But you'll have a special closeness to him as well. So that's the point number two. The virgin birth shows the absolute sovereign plan of God and his acting on it, moving into the world for us. The final point is that the virgin birth proves that we cannot save ourselves. This is the reason why God had to come. Notice this phrase over here um, by the Holy Spirit. I'll read it to you over here. Let me just quickly get down to the rest of it. Um, so the Lord is with you. Um, so he says, the angel says, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. She was quite um, troubled. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. Mary said, I haven't had sexual relations. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will make this happen. God himself will make this happen. You see, any actual joining of humans, human cells, human man, human woman together would have created a fallen human being. That's what all of us are. We're born in the flesh of sin. And so this miracle, 
the miracle of the virgin birth, allowed the perfect God to enter our world with a truly divine father, but earthly parents. Think about it. Because of the Holy Spirit bringing it all about, it meant that although she was carrying this child and it was her child in an earthly sense, it was absolutely 100% God not born in sin. And this meant that Jesus could be the truly perfect sacrifice for us because he did not have sin. And there could be no other way. If there was, God would have planned it, but there could be no other way for our salvation. See, other faiths have a God who's distant. We try and work our way towards it. We try and do good things. And, and hopefully over time, he might accept us one day. And if he looks at the scales, maybe one day we'll be accepted. But Christianity says... You're never going to reach that standard. And so God comes. He comes down. We don't go up to him and try to reach up to him. He comes down to us. He meets with us. He sorts out the mess in our lives. Look at how Wayne Gruden puts it. He says, God, in his wisdom, ordained a combination of human and divine influence in the birth of Christ so that his full humanity would be evident to us from the fact of his ordinary human birth so we could identify with him. So he was a man who felt things and he felt sorrow and he got tired and he needed to sleep. From a human mother and his full deity would be evident from the fact of his conception in Mary's womb by the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. So in the virgin birth we have this beauty of a God who understands us and who has been like us in every way but at the same time God in the flesh, the God-man absolutely perfect. So how should we respond as we close to these amazing truths of the virgin birth? Well firstly, we must fully accept, believe, and enjoy the blatantly supernatural nature of God. We must enjoy this. We must open our eyes. We must have a childlike wonder to, and an expectation to just how miraculous God is. And the virgin birth opens the door to, to so much of that if we easily believe that. And as we read through scripture, the amazing miracles. But, but we must actively believe that and be expectant for it. Because God wants to do things in your life. He wants to use you in supernatural ways. But we need to be open to it. And so that's the first point. Ask him for help in that. Secondly, we can have complete confidence in a God who loves us enough to enter our world in spite of our sin. If we believe the virgin birth, we can have absolute confidence in salvation because it truly is God in the flesh coming to pay a great price for us. So the virgin birth opens the door for us to have such joy and such peace and such rest that what he did on earth was enough to pay the price for us. And thirdly, we can be full of hope that Jesus is the Son of God, as it says here. I'll read it um, to you again. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I'm sorry, and I'll just, I'll just go a little bit back so that I, I don't miss it. Ah, here we go. He will be great, verse 32, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. You see, because of the virgin birth, we can have full hope, not just for this lifetime, but more importantly, for all of lifetime beyond, where Jesus is reigning, where his kingdom is never going to have any end, and that we can look forward to that. We know that he's defeated death. And so as he rises, so we can rise in Christ as well, and a kingdom that will never, ever end. And so I would love to pray for us. Um, whatever it takes, do you want to stand? Do you want to uh, raise your hands, whatever you want to do as you're watching this today. Um, let's let God really speak. Let's let the Holy Spirit speak.
Holy Spirit, I just want to thank you for every single person who uh, is, is watching this. I pray that you would give a great picture of just how special and precious and powerful and amazing is the virgin birth. I pray that those three things you would help us with, that we would um, follow and serve you in faith as the amazing supernatural God that you are. We would be expectant for the supernatural. Secondly, Heavenly Father, I pray that we would have complete confidence in you, a God who loves us, who stepped into our world when we could never make things right. And finally, Lord Jesus, I pray that um, we would be people who are full of hope and we would know we can be full of hope, not just in this lifetime, but in the lifetime to come because your kingdom is here, it's growing, it's advancing, and it will never, ever end. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. I just want to thank you so much for watching. Um, it's, it's been such a privilege. If you want to find out more about the services, please do check on our different channels. I'd love to have you booked in uh, in person if there's space for next Sunday, um, for Christmas as well. But just praying for you and praying that over this Christmas season, you would see Jesus for the great King that he is and you'd continue to live absolutely sold out for him, just as Mary did, that you'd be able to, with open hands and with an open heart, say, Lord, Whatever you plan for my life, I'm up for it and I want to live for you. So have a brilliant, brilliant day. Thanks so much.